so that they can go through an extended water fast right. because that is the most healing thing on planet Earth. Yeah. I, I challenge anyone. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're also the ones that own the food manufacturing and big agribusiness. What are they doing? They're spraying chemicals on the food. People eat the food. They have reactions to the chemicals and they can come get another chemical that suppresses the chemical reaction of that chemical. But how do we get to this point where we think viruses is, is a germ? Well, here's the thing, here's the thing, okay? So let's uh, create a new level of toxicity on the planet that's never existed. Let's call it 5G. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. I am your host, Monty Hook. In this episode, I talk with Tyler Tolman, an expert in natural health, fasting, and self-healing. After witnessing people healing themselves with fasting at age 13, Tyler has dedicated his life to bringing these teachings to the mainstream. Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. We went down some rabbit holes on this. Tyler shared some real bombs of wisdom on nutrition, fasting, self-healing, ancient cultures, and how humanity has become so disconnected to nature. We opened up some can of worms on the medical industry, pharmaceutical industry, and some of the favorite 2020 conspiracy theories. Ooh, I loved this one. Strap yourselves in, folks. This was a fun ride. Guys, head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to my ebook, The Exponential Entrepreneur. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. This is a concept I've been obsessing over for the past five years. How to scale your business and actually take on more projects, all whilst working less and living a life you love. I'm now very fortunate to have multiple businesses that all run without me and I spend my days sharpening the axe. That's doing things that I love, like surfing, working on my spiritual practice and health, learning and doing podcasts. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are interested in the strategies required to scale your business, but with you actually working less and most importantly, cultivating a life of spiritual abundance and freedom, then head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to the ebook now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I am your host. And today I'm joined in the studio by Tyler Tolman again. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> good to see you. Mom. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks very much for coming in. Yep. Um, real pleasure having you here. I've known you for, um, I don't know, five or six years. And I've known of you since before then. Hmm. Um, you are pretty well known in the health space. I might call it the alternative health space. We'll discuss hmm that yeah <laughs> um perfect for the rabbit hole yeah uh and i was introduced to some of your products actually i did um i've done the colon cleanse fasting that was a real um that was a real critical moment for me like i think probably five or six years ago and, big eye uh, opener or bum opener or one of the two <laughs> all of the all of the above um but yeah. you uh you've done a lot of fasting and like your a lot of your mechanisms for your work has been fasting and you do iridology and a whole lot of different um, modalities kind of bundled in together you're very well rounded I think in this uh, 
alternative medicine space. Yes. Um, how, how did all that come about? Were you um, your father, Don Tolman? He's a he's known in the space as well. Is that where you learned it from? Or yeah, my father is a, a pretty big guru in the fasting and health space, and has been for a very long time. I didn't get exposed to it until I was about thirteen. Uh, being raised in kind of a standard American diet. But um, I feel like from the time I was a child, I just really knew myself and I felt different in mm. this world. Um, I felt like a bit of an outcast, so to speak, yep. in school, sit down, so shut up, I. do what you're told, da-da-da. Um, you know, I saw everybody around me doing similar things and being indoctrinated. And I always just had this thought of like, this isn't the way reality should be. Mm. Um, and I really was this big outcast. I was very outgoing, had lots of friends, but didn't really fit in the system. So I was always in trouble because I was just kind of like trying to get people to lighten up a bit because it was very like sit down, shut up, do your job, mm. do this way. And it's just like, uh, you know, it wasn't for me. So when I had the opportunity to go and stay with my father, I was 13 years of age, went from standard American diet and lifestyle to being thrown into what I would call a bit of paradise. And when I arrived, you know, I think the biggest transition was my father would give me a hug every day and just be like, son, I love you so much and I'm so glad you're here. And my stepmom would do it. And I had all these little brothers and sisters would come up and hug me and be like, Tyler, we love you so much and we're so glad you're here. It was just like, it was full of love, which was a completely opposite experience of what I had before, except for my mother. Um, and everything was quite um, open. Uh, it was a 200 acre farm and there were ducks and peacocks and swans. And my dad had big grow boxes. And for the first time in my life, he like took me out and showed me what a tomato was. It was this heirloom tomato and he like picked it and he was like so slowly like cutting the pieces and putting them on a plate and putting some salt. And he's like, here, mm. try this. And I'm just like, dude, what's your trip? It's just a tomato. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> You know, shouldn't I put that on a burger or something like, and I, I remember the experience of like putting this heirloom tomato grown from this garden in my mouth for the first time and this experience of just like, whoa, I don't think yeah. I've ever actually eaten a tomato before by itself. Yeah. And it was like this orgasm experience. So I had all these experiences of connection with nature and connection with my family that I felt I never had. And after about a month of just having this eye-opening experience... Um, all these people arrived about probably about 50 people with major chronic disease, minor conditions, and they were showing up to do an extended fast that my father would run every summer. And so I was thrown into this experience where my job was to take the watermelons and take the food and actually juice them. Um, and so I got to be of service to people and provide these juices. But, you know, the transformation that I saw as I became friends with nearly all of these 50 people and, you know, kind of the shit, physical disease and the mental and emotional stuff and just like the shell of the people that arrived, I just got to watch as these layers peeled off. And I knew at 13 years of age, I absolutely knew in my soul, this is what I was here to do. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people have that opportunity at such a young age to have such a dichotomy of like, yeah. you know, this whole time watching people heal and fast and like parasites coming out of people and skin cleaning and weight falling off and like a spark and a belief in these people like, oh, I can actually heal myself. And just this completely, 
you know, heaven-based healing situation. And then to be ripped back and go back to big city, year at school again, and smoking cigarettes and drinking and depressed, and then back the next summer to do that again and having this back and forth until I was 16, highly depressed, literally suicidal, and called my dad and said, Dad, you know, if I can't live with you, I don't think I want to live at all. Because it was such a... Mm. Uh, an interest. I was kicked so, out of school, and, and that's just because you you really felt like you didn't fit into society like at you, all. Yeah, at all. And there was no love, and there was no support. You know, and you know, I didn't have a father around. My older brother was my kind of male figure. We f- fought every single day, uh, in a good way. Beat each other up, and you know, always wrestling and fighting, um, which was good training while I was young. Um, but yeah, I, I truly at sixteen said, you know what. I'm done with being a bad person. I was a bad person. I was a liar. I was a cheater. I stole things. All I did was smoke weed and drink alcohol. And, you know, it was pretty much a waste to myself in society. No, I mean, I I can relate to the not fitting into society thing. Um, Yeah. You know, my parents were very, very young and I was always going to be an entrepreneur. Like I just, mm. it was always in me. I had my first business when I was eight, but nobody mm. ever saw it. Nobody ever cultivated it. Nobody yeah. nurtured it. Nobody, you know, and no, no fault of my parents. They were doing, you know, they were doing what, what they knew to do. Yeah. And, um, but nobody. Just thought you were weird or a loner I or something. I always just thought I was like, I never felt fit in. Yeah. And I was always very clever. So in school mm. I could, you know, like the, the naughty kids. They're the obvious ones if they skip school. It's like, no, they skip school and they're in trouble. Me, because I didn't come across like a naughty kid. I was very, like, clever. Yeah. I got away with a lot of things that um, <laughs> that maybe other, other kids didn't. But I think that was kind of the, the entrepreneurial spirit that I, yeah. <laughs> that I, that I had. But, Talk um, your way into yes, or out of anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I always felt like I was never going to fit in. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, back to this idea of fasting. So... Fasting to me, uh, as I mentioned before, like I've done, I've done quite a bit of fasting now, and I do it very, very regularly. It's a, it's a regular part of my regime. Every month, I'll do one or two days, just yeah. to kind of a bit of a reset. It's awesome. If I feel like my body needs more than that, like I think I'm very in tune with my body now, like I'm very That's aware, good. and that has come about by fasting. There's mm. no question. Yeah. The the fasting has allowed me to tune into that. I think it's probably similar with anything. You could fast off anything. The only way you could know you have no power over yourself on something is to remove yourself from that situation. Yeah. Um, but I did, uh, um, uh, I did, the first thing I did was juice fasting. I did about a week. That was horrible. Like the first fast <laughs> I did was fucking awful. It was like yeah. really bad. And then I found that I had a parasite that I got from South America. Mm. And I was going to the doctor in Australia at the time and my doc, I kept showing up with all these symptoms, like yeah. bloating. I had, you know, like diarrhea and all sorts. Mm. For two years, the doctor told me there's nothing wrong with you, right? My family doctor of like 20 years. Yeah. And I ended up going to see an Ayurvedic doctor who mm. said, you've got a parasite. You've got to go get this specific test. Yeah. When I got that test, everything she predicted was right. My vitamin D, my this, that, mm. everything she predicted yeah. was spot on. And then um, from then I went off meat. I did a stint um, back in the day, no meat. I got your colon cleanse. I hadn't had meat for 20, 28 days, right? I did yeah. your colon cleanse, and this chunk of red meat wow. came out of me 28 days later. Wow. And then that was like, I was like, okay, 
like if the the stuff that we saw Stuck in there dead flesh in your digestive like, system and i kind of you also get the sense that there's energy and emotions and shit attached to that totally. <laughs> to that stuff that was man. some shit you were holding on to yeah exactly yeah so that was really really profound for me and ever since then i've been doing you know some fasts i've done uh, i've done i've done six days with just water hmm. um, and i just kind of tune into what my body feels like it needs yep. so um what's the what's the easiest way for well first of all give us a little bit of the the science well not the science but the my feeling on on fasting is that two things one is there's the discipline part of it which really allows me to kind of uh tune into my own self-power and you know really feel into what's going on with my body yeah right and then the second part of it is there's a physical aspect of not having the digestion mm. right and then i feel like something is happening in my body where there's energy being invested into healing the organs and different things so that's yeah. the uneducated version what's the what's the tyler tolman <laughs> educated version well, it goes back to Hippocrates, the father of medicine, who spent seven years in Egypt and learned the truth about how we actually heal ourselves, learned how to connect with nature. Um, he said, let food be thy medicine, thy medicine be thy food. But a lot of people miss that he said, to eat when you are sick is to feed your sickness. So if you're sick, we actually shouldn't rely on food as medicine. Food should be our medicine all the time. And then when we get sick, we should stop and actually fast and rest and allow the body to go through what it needs. Most of the body's energy is used in this process of digestion. And as long as we're taking in proteins and fats and sugars, our cells and every part of our body is constantly working, 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 and cells replicating, replicating, replicating. Whereas if we stop eating, we got all this free energy. And within about 12 hours, our body runs out of uh, a certain amount of sugars and we go into something called nutritional ketosis. So we start to um, start to go into fat burning mode. Okay, I started, our body starts burning fat. Uh, we release things called ketones. Ketone bodies can be very healthy for the brain. It can bring clarity. It can do a lot of cool things. Um, around the 16 to 17 hour mark, our body goes into this process called autophagy. Mm. And in autophagy, our cells start to repair themselves and our body literally starts to regenerate. Um, so that's something that if you can ever go 16 to 17 hours yeah. and this kicks in, there's a lot of benefits that happen. So yeah. whether you're doing a 24 hour fast or a 48 hour fast, those are amazing for just allowing the body to regenerate and heal itself and get rid of excess insulin that's been stored, uh, get rid of excess fat. And then the university of Southern California has stated that in the process of full ketosis, our body releases something called embryonic style stem cells. So these stem cells have the capacity to replace any damaged tissue in the body. So if you have brain damage, if you have eye damage, mm. if you have liver damage, if you have any damage inside of your body, stem cell therapy is one of the most profound things that's ever been discovered. And they're taking paraplegics and quadriplegics and people have major injuries like completely severed spinal cord. We got this mini documentary of this woman that's regrown her spinal cord, which is mm. medically impossible. And she did it through a 40-day water fast because after 48 hours, we have an enzyme in, in our body called PKA that doesn't fully allow the uptake of stem cells to be used. So any fast up to 48 hours, stem cells are made. They're good probably for your immune system and your gut, but they can't fully be used to repair your tissue. Mm. I'm talking all injury, damage, tissue. 
And, you know, this process of autolysis reduces scar tissue. The process of ketosis and stem cells regenerates it. So we have the capacity to fully regenerate wow. our bodies. It's just that we're not talking about this, but the science is very clear. Beyond 48 hours, PKA gets suppressed and the stem cells start to uptake. So Professor Longo from the University of Southern California has proven scientifically a three-day water fast completely regenerates your immune system. So, you know, natural killer cells that kill cancer, T cells, B cells, macrophages, lymphocytes, all these aspects of our immune system that fight off bacterial infections, viral infections, and essentially just keep us bright and healthy happens in only three days. So what, why do those things come back then? I mean, is it, is it that the cell, there's a cell memory or, or what or things come back? Like whatever ailments that you have. So, so three days resets your immune system. Yep. Okay. And it's the start of the regeneration process. Mm. Back in ancient Egypt, they fasted three days every single month. So you saying like, oh, about once a month, I'm doing a couple of days. You can take it up to three. Yep. You have a full immune system reset, scientifically proven. Okay. So that's going to keep your immune system in a good place to be able to continuously fight yeah. off disease. And you'll notice if you do the fasting every month, like you're never going to get sick. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 exactly. Yeah, don't, you I don't, don't get ever get sick. Yeah. But if you want to heal an actual disease and not have a return of symptoms, that's a, a completely different mm. story. Yeah. So depending on your chronic issue or minor issue or injury or thing that's going on, we typically require about anywhere from 14 to 21 days, depending on your level of adiposity. If you're really fat, you need to go a lot longer because you don't get into autophagy in some of these states if you have the fat to burn. Yeah. But once you start to become a little bit lean, even like you and me, um, if within a short period of time, you get this autophagy, the body is regenerating. So from 14 to 21 days, that's where a lot of magic is happening. Mm. So when I worked with people with stage four cancer, lymphomas, liver cancer, complete remission. And this is like in a retreat kind of setting? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. So for the last 10 years, I've been running a clinical fasting retreat, um, typically anywhere between 10 and 16 people uh, with chronic Lyme disease, uh, stage four cancers. I've worked with people with brain tumors, lung cancer, liver cancer, colon cancer, uh, major stage four lymphomas, leukemia, you name it. Pretty much every cancer case. So basically they're coming to you as like nothing else has worked. Exactly. And Or it's either I've done the chemo, I've done all this stuff, nothing's worked, I want to try this. Yep. Or there's no way I'm doing chemotherapy and surgery. Yep. I've seen what it does to other people. I just want to take the natural approach. And I will say the second group of people always heal a lot faster. Yep. So I do a three-month coaching process it's called know thyself it's 30 days of full inundation of putting the person into plants colon cleansing building them up making sure they have no deficiencies in b12 no deficiencies in hemoglobin and iron and all these things that we need to boost so that they can go through an extended water fast right. because that is the most healing thing on planet earth yep. i i challenge anyone yeah. well i mean and we can go there. I mean, yeah. you're, you're into Egyptology and, you know, every ancient practice and religion totally. and they all had fasting, every single one of them. Yeah, that's where it comes from. So ancient Egyptians, uh, they had a house called Per Ankhs. This is called an Ankh. It's, it represents life. So they had yeah. places called the House of Life and there was 13 of them. 
in Egypt all along the Nile, and anybody who was sick would go to the house of life. You'd go to the temple. Mm. Egyptologists have no clue what temples were. Every single one of them had a library attached underground. They had a healing center. They had multiplicity of physicians and priests doing what they did. It wasn't just like this worship thing and only the high priest was allowed and it's just a temple for worship. It wasn't that at all. And they did enemas and they observed nature and there's some profound wisdom that comes from there. Um, if you hear of like Hermes Trismegistus, uh, thrice great, all called Thoth in Egypt. But he was, Tehuti is who he really was. He was a high priest in ancient Atlantis. And he brought the records of Atlantis into Egypt and promulgated the true teachings of an advanced civilization thousands and thousands of years ago and tried to continue the process of human evolution and human ascension. Mm -hmm. And a big part of this is waking up and cleaning and purifying your body. And so all of the physicians of ancient Egypt, their job was to keep the people healthy and to keep them strong their their job wasn't to fight disease and to fix, fix fix people and they didn't fight disease they supported health yeah. and how do they do that they observe nature so mm. you look at an ibis an ibis only drinks water from the purest parts of the nile so it's called the bird of purity and the ibis when it got sick because birds get sick too eating a lot of fish and everything gets backed up it would suck water up in its beak bend over shove it up its own ass and give itself an enema and all the shit would come out and it would ruffle its feathers and it would feel better. And the Egyptians saw this. They're like, oh, the bird of purity gives itself enemas. So let's do this for humans. And guess what? People who are sick, backed up and full of shit, like you're talking about, chunk of meat sitting in there for 30 to 60 days. <laughs> Shove a tube up the butt, spray a bunch of water and it all comes out. And immediately the people are like, nasal congestion goes away, headache goes away, fever comes down, you start to feel better because you've cleaned out the main channel of elimination, which is basically related to all sickness. Hippocrates said, all disease goes back to the gut. Why? Because he spent seven years learning from the physicians in Egypt. So uh, uh, how do we get us so wrong there? Like, how the fuck are we here where we I'll are? Tell you, in I'll tell you how, exactly how. There have been healers that have existed for thousands of years and poison makers. So healers have, have the answers and typically show up and help people, you know, and the poison makers charge money and they're snake oil salesmen. And what do they do? They convince people to take this thing to cover and mask the symptoms. And the beautiful thing is the poison makers are smart and it works. You got a headache, just take this pill, it goes away. Rather than, hey, you need to drink more water, you need to go for a mm. walk, you need to de-stress. But I mean, that to me, I understand that and I agree with that, but it's then it be, it's it's almost like an indoctrinated cultural thing, right? Because yeah. anybody who I'm, I have to assume that 99% of people who want to become a doctor and help people have pure intentions, right? 99? So, well, I so would say most people become a doctor because their parents told them to and yes. they need to be successful and they want to make money. But they their, their assumption, their belief is that the system works so they're putting themselves into a broken system it's not yeah. so much the the mindset or the intention behind that person yeah. they're just in a broken system so how yeah. did the and system I would, get I would so back broken? up the truck a little bit and say look there's a lot of genuine people that go to medical school that generally want to help people and there's a lot of people that go there because their mom and dad wanted them to and they want to have a mansion in a ferrari uh, which is not the best space for that. Mm. But what I'm getting at is the poison makers have been able to make the money and make the money and make the money because they're selling 
things that don't mm. cost anything. So at some point, what they did is all the molecules that used to be used from white willow bark for headache supplement was changed and synthesized by crude oil. And this is done by the Rockefellers. They said, let's just synth synthesize everything, which makes it super cheap. Plus, we can patent it because it's not actually natural. And they control the oil and the whole ecosystem. Totally. And now we can charge exorbitant amounts of money for something that's super cheap. And manipulate the media to tell people they're sick and make them more sick. Money, 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 money. Mm. Now we're going to suppress chiropractors. We're going to suppress natural doctors. We're going to suppress herbs. Oh, that's, that's snake oil. They turned it. It's the herbs and the whole foods. None of that works. That's, this is the real thing. We are the medical doctors. We're the ones that have the answer. And if you really think about it, more and more money being made, they've literally forced all of the true healers and the true healing modalities out. And they own and control it. And if you really look at the top, unfortunately, they're also the ones that own the food manufacturing and big agribusiness. What are they doing? They're spraying chemicals on the food. People eat the food. They have reactions to the chemicals. And they can come get another chemical that suppresses the chemical reaction of that chemical. But then it leads to further suppression and su further disease. If you have a symptom, mm. it's a sign or signal that something's off and you should yeah. change it. <clears throat> but do you, I mean... Do you think that there are people at the top masterminds who are thinking that far ahead in terms of the, the vicious cycle that humans are in, in terms of what you're describing, needing to take a drug to fix this thing, to fix this thing, to fix this thing? Are there people that see all that at the top who go, okay, I can, I can see how <laughs> a broken society that, I, that we can manipulate potentially – and we can pretend, we can control all that. So the problem is here, we're about to go esoteric. Yeah. So if you want to make that transition, we can. Mm. Uh, but the truth is there is light and dark. There is good people. Yeah. There's bad people. And there's good entities and bad entities and vibrations that we tap into that are really good and positive and all about mm. being of service to humanity and helping people to grow and rise. And there are entities that want to suppress mm. and control and manipulate and cause negative things. And those entities and that, that thought form has been very conscious of the entire process for thousands of years. Yeah. It was clearly talked about in ancient Egypt that there was Osiris and there was Set. And this, this whole faction and Horus and what happened, like people talk about, you know, mythology, you know, mythology is our true history in many ways. And this is so far beyond what people are willing to accept. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough place to get into, but we all know there's good and evil. Yeah. And in us, there's good tendencies and there's evil tendencies. And, and I mean, what's your personal philosophy on that? Like my thought is I, I, I don't look at around in the world and I understand there's evil things going on. Like yeah. one of my observations of people is that in, in history, mythology, all of it, in every generation, there is evil people doing evil things, yep. right? In every generation. How naive can people be to think that now that yep. stuff is not happening around them? They're totally. just smarter. They've got different technologies to use. Yep. Whereas before it was like, you know, they came with axes and spears and, you know, and fire. Yep. Well, now they're using technology and manipulation and media and the, just the tools of, the tools of change. Yep. <clears throat> so for people to think that that stuff is not happening right now, I think is... It's very, so, very nice. This is a good point because what's happening is 2020 is not 2020 by accident. 2020 is 2020 vision. It's clarity. It's truth coming to light. And what we're getting into with this 20 slash 20 is it's going to become obvious 
it's going to become black and white and people will have to make a choice. Mm. So now we're getting into the real stuff. People need to make a choice. Am I actually going to be good and of service and about the light or am I just going to choose to be this way and embrace the darkness? And I'd say whatever you do, embrace it fully and be empowered in that. Yeah. And so where this comes from, the evil that was talked about by Osiris, which could be considered like the father of humanity that goes back thousands and thousands of years, said that the only true evil is self-neglect. Or he said the highest evil is self-neglect. So when we neglect ourselves, be the change you want to see in the world, we are a reflection of everything. As soon as I neglect myself, as soon as I take something that I know is poison and put it into my body and I get these bad habits, mm. that's an evil act. And we need to become conscious of it. And then realize that on the other hand, when I take in fruits and vegetables and I hydrate and I exercise and, and you I think good and you thoughts. Have presence, and you have presence whilst you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, it's, it's all encompassing that, you know, we've been in this area that's like, well, I'm not sure. Oh, you know, what's wrong with a little bit of alcohol? What's wrong with a little bit of marijuana? Mm. What's wrong with, you know, a little bit of McDonald's here and there? What's, you know, come on. You know, a little bit of poison, you know, and I get it. And I, I, I believe in balance for sure in, in darkness and evil and within ourselves. And I believe that this pendulum that's swinging as we become more conscious, it swings higher on the pendulum as we evolve. Every time mm. you fast, you're pushing the pendulum out to the good and the light and you feel it and commitment and willpower and all this stuff. Well, what happens after the first fast? Woo, it swings all the other way and you're McDonald's and you're eating crap and you're drinking and smoking or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And then you fast again and then it's less of a swing and then less. And it's this evolutionary scale that once we start to reach the top of the positive and negative, there's less swing and we start to master our reality and anchor ourselves on the positive end of the pole. And little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, we start to really evolve. Yeah. And the Greeks called this gnosis, praxis, and intelicus. To know, so gaining new knowledge of what actually is good, and then practice that which we know, therefore becoming that which we know. And then the next step or the next teacher or the next thing will appear into our lives and give us the next step and we'll be able to recognize that. And it's an ever-evolving process of gnosis, praxis, and intelicus mm. because I believe that holistically mentally, emotionally, physically, socially, and financially, we need to be clear about this process of evolution. It goes back to the Da Vinci painting of the Vitruvian man. They called it Sitius, Altius, Fortius, Socius, Moneta, which was all about faster thinking, higher emotions, social connections, physical, Fortius, physically strong, and moneta was the financial basis. Moneta was trust. It's where the word money comes from. And so when we can have balance or at least identify, okay, what's the knowledge and practice to be better emotionally? What's the knowledge and practice I need to be about daily to mentally become more clear and enhance myself? What do I do physically daily to be more flexible, stronger, and evolving in that space? You know, looking at the legs that we stand on are our social connections. Your network is your net worth. And the actual finance, your ability to be of service and have an exchange of energy. Mm. 
so that you can use that to manifest. Yeah, that's really, really fascinating, really interesting. And um, I've never heard it explained like that before. And uh, I mean, one of my, um, I guess my life has changed pretty drastically in the last few years in that um, I've always been a busy entrepreneur. And now I find the more I can sit still, the more I can actually make <laughs> things move around me, right? Mm. And <clears throat> what I'm kind of hearing in, in what you're describing there is, you know, people think that their symptom is, oh, I don't have enough finances, right? So, yeah. like, that's where their attention goes, but they skip all the other things, right? They, yeah. they skip all the other parts. And then there's all this, you know, uh, it's almost pressure these days to, you know, to be living in purpose. And I've got to find my purpose. Yeah. And I've got to articulate my purpose. And, and I think when you're so desperately seeking that and you're seeking it over there and you haven't done all the other work, yeah. it's like, well, you're never going to find your purpose, first of all. And secondly, purpose is fleeting and it's going to be changing yeah. anyway. Of course. This is the perfect conversation. So you're absolutely right. And this, this brings me to like a Hindu principle. You know, we live here in Bali, Indonesia. We've got these Hindus and a part of their teachings, they have this one teaching where there's this goddess of passion and there's a goddess of money. And they say, if you worship the goddess of money, she turns her back and runs away from you. If you focus on money, it, you're constantly chasing it. Come after, you know, and mm. she r runs away. When you worship the goddess of passion, the goddess of money gets jealous and showers you with money. So to dedicate our lives to our passions and things that really get us excited. When I look at the word passion, I see pass and the word ion. Ion is a unit of energy. You know just as well as I do, when we're truly in our passion, there's units of energy mm. that build. And this creates an attraction. It creates an energy field, whether you can see it or not, it creates an energy field that I'm pretty sure you can perceive in people. It creates this energy field where you start to attract individuals and situations and people that is quite amazing. And if you just live your passion, 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 do what you love, find what you love, and it may shift like you're saying. Oh, I really love this. Do more of that. Well, oh, I really love this. And you have to be willing to let go of the things that you're no longer passionate about. You know, I used to ride bikes all the time, downhill mountain biking. I had a whole group of friends and everything. And I just lost the passion. But I kept doing it because I had those friends and I just, but I was like, my new passion's jujitsu, right? And these passions are in area of mental, emotional, physical. So if we can identify them mm -hmm. and we stick to that, long enough so my passion my main passion is health and human potential and evolution of the human experience and because that's been my main passion i'm only looking for true masters and sages that exist to sit at their feet and truly listen and take on the next levels of knowledge so that then i can practice and become yeah. it right so when you dedicate your life to passion 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 the pass ion turns into pass i on which is what I'm doing. Mm. Now I'm passing myself on the and, legacy part. and inspiring other people. So yeah. never focus on just that one leg of finance. There needs to be the focus there. Mm. If you got issues around money, you're going to have issues around money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's a big conversation. Yeah. Um, it's a conversation that I love. And it was uh, Buckminster Fuller and some others who really brought this idea that, you know, it's like a bee. Why does a bee go to the flower? Do you know? <laughs> no. Why does a bee go to a flower? Because it needs pollen. Most people's answer, because it needs pollen. Well, what's a bee's purpose? We would say a bee's purpose is to pollinate. The bee does not go to the flower for pollen. It goes to the flower for nectar. Mm -hmm. 
In fact, it sees the flower, it goes in a perfect phi ratio spiral descending into the flower, and it makes love to the flower, and it's taking in this nectar. It's like the nectar of the gods. It's so passionate yeah. about getting nectar and just drinking it and have this orgasmic experience and then go back and share it with the hive. Feed yourself mm. and then share with others, right? And in the process of just doing what the bee loves and what the bee's passionate about, its purpose is fulfilled. It gets all this pollen stuck to it. And in fact, it's probably the shit that it doesn't like. If it could just get rid of it, it would. But that's the shit that sticks in the process of doing your passion. Yeah. <laughs> Fulfills your purpose. Yeah. Right? So be about your passion and the processional effect of that will be your purpose will become manifest. And in your passion, you'll start to discover other areas that are like, oh, I'm actually becoming really passionate. Oh, now I see my purpose on a whole nother level. Yeah, uh, yeah that's why I said, like, let the... Let the purpose unfold for itself. Yes. Don't yeah. look for your purpose. Just yeah. do what you love. Uh, that's that's very cool. Um, what's I'm curious to understand. What are the the most common uh, ailments, diseases, symptoms that you kind of see in everybody? Like uh, you know, you do. You mentioned before that you do um, iridology, and every week you do something online where you're yep. checking people's eyes. And you can see what people are dealing with health-wise, what's happening with their internal yep. organs. First of all, give me a bit of insight into that. Um, but what are the, the most common things that you see yep. that is happening you know, in, in Western society especially? And the reason I'm curious about that is because um, I think we're pretty blessed here being in Bali and people like you and I are called here because it's a different kind of lifestyle and yep. you know, we're a little bit removed from some of the toxicity that people yep. have in different cities. So how can people, I think, first of all, how can people need to be aware of that? Because people are just living in that and they're not aware of it. Yeah. But once people are aware of it, well, then they can start to take steps of maybe how they can change their home. They can put a plant in their home. They can put a, you know, they can yeah. eat different foods. They can do whatever. So what are the common things that you see? So I'll give you the background. Hippocrates, known as the father of medicine, used the eyes, the tongue, the face, the nails and the skin to identify disease. He was the original one that came up with a very clear diagnosis of what's actually happening before working with somebody and treating them. Um, but one of the most profound ways to see what's going on is actually looking in the eyes. So it's called iridology. And I every week I do a free, um, every Wednesday night typically, I do a free event where I teach people the foundation of iridology and sclerology and show them multiple photos where you can see on my charts, this is the area of the breast. Here's somebody that had breast cancer. There's a black hole in that area. It's quite obvious. Here's somebody who had a tumor in his spine. Here's where the area of the spine so is. So the, the, the mark on the eye, Yep. forgive me if I'm not using the correct terminology, is the same or similar to everybody. Like it shows up in the same places. If you have a liver disease, it will show up in the same place in your eyes it would anybody else. Really? If you break your back, it'll show up in the same part of your eye. If you have lung cancer, it'll show up in the lung area of the eye. The whole eye's been mapped out by brilliant doctors and scientists for the last few hundred years. It goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. In Tutankhamun's tomb, they found silver plates with iridology charts on it. Mm. Okay, so, so since the times of Hippocrates sharing the wisdom of the East with the world, he used iridology and sclerology for the diagnosis of disease. The nice thing about this is you don't have to inject yourself with radioactive dye and get a CT scan or radiation poisoning, which suppresses your immune system for up to six to eight months. You don't have to poison yourself to see if you're sick. You can simply open your eyes. It's completely non-invasive. You got a flashlight and you look at it and there's charts. 
And the sclerology, you have to give credit to the Chinese. They had traditional Chinese medicine practitioners had massive books of maps. They've already mapped out the entire whites of the eyes. And then it was the Nez Perce Native American tribe in the United States. The women healers also used sclerology. And there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Stuart Wheelwright who dedicated his life to unmapping that. And so I've spent many years with people with major chronic disease, uh, taking photographs, very high quality photographs of their iris and their sclera and looking at their blood tests. So reading all their blood markers, looking at their scans and confirming like, yep. And I've created my own maps based on a couple little discoveries that I had myself. So I have iridology and sclerology. I teach both of these and I teach people how to read bloods. And through this process of really coming up with what's going on, working with individuals holistically, mentally, emotionally, physically, on all areas. And I teach people how to do this in a program I have called Heal Thyself Academy. And then I create coaches around the world that essentially do this. But yes, the truth is the eyes tell us everything about mm -hmm. what's going on inside of our body. We should have learned this in school. The school that we went to was a complete and utter waste of time beyond like the third or fourth grade. <laughs> that far? <laughs> Yeah, maybe second. Yeah. <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G, yeah. one, two, three, two plus two, times tables, basic. I'm done. Yeah, basic, you know, geography, yeah. sciences, but eh, most of it was a waste of time, let's yeah. be real. It was babysitting in school, but it was a good social experience, uh, experiment, I should say. But imagine if we could create schools and systems around the world that actually teaches children about their body, teaches mm. them how to heal themselves, teach them what is the liver and how does it operate. Don't you think that would probably be a little bit more important? What is the liver? How does it work? What causes issues and disease of the liver? What's your kidneys? What do they do? What, you know, how does your nervous system work? Your lymphatic system? Like scientists and medical doctors don't even really know much about the lymphatic system, but it's a main system for detoxification. So your second question was, What's the main repetitive nature of what I see in the mm -hmm. eyes? If I had to pick one thing, I would say it's, it's the colon. Colon digestive system, which if you hold down your eyelids and look up, you're going to see certain squiggly lines that mm -hmm. mean congestion. And you're going to see a Y line that shows up that means toxicity. And if that Y line starts to go like this, that means that toxicity is getting so bad it's starting to encapsulate. And if that encapsulates, essentially what that is, is either a cyst or a polyp or a tumor. And so if we see these encapsulations inside of our eyes, we know there's a toxicity that we need to start uh, getting more circulation through the lymphatic and circulatory system to that location so the body can start to get rid of the toxicity. Otherwise, the uh, toxicity can potentially get to the point where it destroys the DNA of the cells those cells replicate, and that's the definition of cancer. So the, the, so the cause of the blockage in the colon is bad food, toxic environment. What are all the Two causes? Two main things. Number one, eating shit. Processed foods, high fats, non-fibrous foods that don't move very well for the mm -hmm. human experience. So it's very much what you're putting in. And number two, the shit you're not willing to let go of. So it's physical and it's energetic, yeah. emotional. And I, I know this because I see people with a major black area in the colon and the iris and it's on the right side and I can see it. And I'm just like, right side is everything masculine. Left side is everything feminine, what I receive and what I put out. And so I see this black hole and I just say, who is he? Mm. And, and people are like, what? 
Who who is he? What's the major shit that you're holding on to with this one black thing in your eye you're not willing to let go of? And people start crying. People are like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, past partner left me, cheated on me. I, I fucking hate him. I have all this resentment. You can see the resentment yeah. physically in the eye. You can see it as yellow in the sclera, resentful. I can see the blockage. I can see other organs that it's connected to. And based on the organ that it's connected to is also energetically connected there's a stream of things so if you guys show up wednesday night it's free and watch i'll say this is what's going on your colon this is what's going on your back and these are the issues and here's why you've been holding on to this shit for so long and you don't feel supported the back is all about support so i see a big squiggly line it's like you don't feel supported emotionally right and it's every time Mm. every time or if it's lower back it's like you don't feel supported financially or you're in fear so let's let, let's go into this uh, this idea this idea of all physical ailments, injuries, whatever you're dealing with, yep. being related to an emotional trauma or emotional cause. Is that mm-hmm. your overarching philosophy there, it's, or it's go the into truth. that? Come around long enough, and you'll see it for yourself. Yeah. So if you have deep hatred or resentment or just frustration and resentment, like you resent somebody, it's going to affect your liver and gallbladder especially. Now you can't digest fats properly. Now all of a sudden you sort of get yellow in the eyes. If you keep resenting and holding on and not letting go and forgiving, it'll turn into jaundice. It'll turn into a, mm. a gallbladder. Oh, oh, I don't know why, but now I've got this gallbladder pain and they'll just cut it out. Okay, well, you can cut it out, but you're not getting, you're not dealing with the issue. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, what about injuries? Because I mean, I'm kind of aligned to the idea that if I get hit by a car and I and I hit my right knee, there is some metaphysical reason for that. Yeah. And that's a hard one for people to, to grasp. Yeah, well, right? they're gonna get it eventually. Okay? Everybody will get it eventually. We are seven principles of health, air, water, sunshine, exercise, whole foods, relationships, and passion. There are seven hermetic principles that are the higher laws, and those higher laws include cause and effect. Mm. So for every cause you put out, there is an effect. There actually is no such thing as an accident. Even if you stub your toe, if you download Louise Hay, some of these things, you stub your toe, you look at the actual definition by somebody who really is into this, like somebody who's really downloaded. I have a couple books and a couple people that work with me personally. You stub your toe, you look at it, it's like, holy shit, this is exactly what's going on in my life right now. Um, you know, you twist and damage your knee, you break your arm, you you know, anything. Nature is always speaking to us. Mm. And only people of higher consciousness really get this. But it's like, I ride a motorbike through Bali, I fang it, I pop wheelies, I do crazy stuff. Um, but when I'm out of balance, nature speaks. A lot of times I'll see a butterfly just flies right by and I'm like, oh, I'd need to slow down. But most people wouldn't see that. Yeah. Okay. And then the next thing, if I don't slow down is somebody's like, hey, you know, slow down. Oh, and people just, eh, if you, you know, who are you? You're not a polite cop. But that's nature speaking to us. It's trying to regulate us. It's trying to get us mm-hmm. back into a state of balance. We don't listen. What happens? We get pulled over by a police officer. And what, what can we do? We can be rebels. Oh, fuck you. Fucking police and control and da da you know, throw the ticket out the window and keep going. But if you're not listening, eventually, bang, you have a yeah. massive accident. Now you're flat on your back in a cast and it's nature forcing you to listen. 
And what do we do? We review, we review, we review, we start to see. And especially like if we actually fasted like we're supposed to, every animal in nature fasts when they get sick or injured. If we actually fasted, we would have this whole life review and sort it out for ourselves. But because a lot of times we don't, you know, sometimes people are literally taken out of this life because they didn't, you know, they're that far out of balance. And this, this happens in all ways and in all things. If you do martial arts, go do martial arts. The days that you're out of balance, you're going to get kicked in the jaw or you're going to, you know, skin your knee or you're going to twist your ankle or you're going to break your hand or something's going to happen. But when you're actually in balance and you show up and you're not having like, oh, I got to get revenge or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't get hurt. Yeah. There's a synergy between, <clears throat> there's an alignment between your physical body and your mental body and emotional body and it all, all kind of, of it. lines up all mm. of it and i think that for individuals that are just like oh this is bullshit i don't know what you're talking about yeah. okay cool let's focus on the physical clean your colon you know the biggest ailments are digestive conditions and fatigue because as soon as your colon gets toxic you start to wear a tire around here of fat because fat absorbs a lot of the toxicity and then you get excess insulin storage most likely and then all of a sudden your adrenals aren't working as well and you start to get fatigued and then the endocrine system gets out of balance. So pretty much every woman that I look at has a thyroid issue. Um, thyroid is specifically about, um, I don't get to do what I wanna do. Mm. When's it gonna be mm. my turn? And we live in a society that has been very suppressive towards women for a long time. And women take it all on. They take care of the kids. You know, A lot of times they help manage the business. They do all these other things. And they just want a little bit of love and emotional support, you know, and a lot of times they don't get it. And look, things kind of go both ways. Um, but you can see that, you know, if women would actually just know or change the mindset and know, like, I do get to do what I want to do and it is my turn and really step into what they're passionate about. It's a big piece for women. And then, you know, men have their stuff as well. Yeah, of course. Well, one of the things I, I tend to think is, because the way that I feel physically now is very different to 10 years ago. And I happen to think that so many people have never had the experience of actually feeling good, yeah. right? So their perception of themselves feeling good is somewhat diluted or diluted. Yeah. It's called homeostasis. Right. So every individual has a level of homeostasis. And what this means is you could be like, well, I'm not sick, I'm not in pain. I don't have a fever right now. I'm not sick, but you're super overweight. <laughs> you know, well, you can't and, get out of bed in this, the morning. It comes down to, you know, what's happening in 2020 with the, you know, with the, with the, the virus yeah. is, you know, like the, 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 the pre, the preconditions that people are getting sick from. Well, there's you know, there's experts, supposed experts saying, well, there's people dying from with no, no condition, no previous conditions. Hmm. Well, I tend to think, that maybe they had conditions, they just didn't have the symptoms of yeah. the conditions because they've never actually felt good, right? Yeah. So this homeostasis is the natural state of human health is one of living in a slightly ecstatic, exuberant state of life, like getting up early out of bed, being about your passion, creating, uh, being interactive, not being blocked, and physically, mentally, emotionally being open. So it's the natural state of the human experience is to have energy and feel good and want to do more, right? And what happens is when you're not eating the right foods and you're pushing yourself too hard and you're stressing out, homeostasis will drop 
to maintain a level of, so that you can keep going. Even though you're actually, you get a little bit sick, but you suppress it. I take a drug, I get a little bit sick, but I just, I, I can't get sick now, I gotta go to work. So you're slowly just and suppressing. The, and the whole aim of the game is just to try to maintain some normalcy, like just an, an even keel, so you don't go up, you don't go down. And Well, the truth is we wanna have a high level of homeostasis. Yeah. That's how we should be. And but. flow and everything else. But people don't realize that as homeostasis comes down slowly, they're actually getting sicker and sicker and sicker, but their body's doing everything to just keep on cracking on. When we look in people's irises, you can see their constitution. Some people have a weak constitution. So when their homeostasis goes down, they feel sick and they got to do something about it. People with a strong constitution can drink, they can smoke, they can not ever move, they can eat burgers their whole life, hot dogs, whatever they want. Homeostasis does go down, down, down inside of their body. They grow cancer, all kinds of different things come up, but they never feel sick. And these are the type of people, because of all the plaque that exists in the body, we know there's atherosclerotic plaque in the arteries. We know there's amyloid and lipofuscin plaque in the brain that leads to Parkinson's and motor neurons and all this sort of stuff. But the scientific community doesn't acknowledge that there's plaque in the lymphatic and colon. So this plaque that accumulates is the breeding ground for bad bacteria and for viruses to promulgate and take place. So everybody walking around with excess plaque that doesn't feel sick, but is at a suppressed level of homeostasis and full of plaque, when they receive a virus or a bad bacteria, it can potentially either knock them out and their body goes through everything that it can. Fever is a process of fluing and shitting and pissing and sweating and everything to try to win, or they're completely taken out and they die. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, let's talk about viruses a little bit because... Mm. I, I th obviously science there's a lot to learn and I yeah. think virus is one of these things that is I'm not educated in any way whatsoever I'm just going by what I feel yeah. and what I feel is and some of the things I've learned is we have billions trillions of viruses in us at any one time it's yeah. not like virus is over there and it's bad and it's yeah. like let me not catch it it's yeah. like no the virus is in here yeah and then what is happening is something has triggered my body to yeah. the, have a reaction. And the, the symptoms are, is my body healing itself. And the virus is actually the mechanism to help make that happen. Yeah. So let me just right? go there. There's yes. two theories. There's the germ theory and there's the terrain theory. And the truth is there's some truth to both. Okay, some people completely throw out the germ theory and just say, oh, it's all about the terrain. And some people completely throw this out, medical, yeah. industry, allopathic. They're like, oh, it's all about the germ, fight the germ, fight the germ, don't worry about the terrain, destroy the terrain in the process of fighting the germ. No, we need to have a healthy terrain and the terrain takes care of itself because we are, like you said, full of viruses and full of bacteria, but we want to have all the good bacteria. What a virus actually is, is a packet of information, RNA. So it's information. Okay, you know, it's not alive. It's not like it's this actual bug that's going yeah. around beating people up. It's just a packet of information. So how can a packet of, it, a packet of information do something bad? But how do we get to this point where we think viruses is, is a germ? Well, here's it's the a thing. Here's the thing. Okay. So let's uh, create a new level of toxicity on the planet that's never existed. Let's call it 5G. Okay. 5G comes up. There's radio frequencies now that are coming in. The body being exposed. And this could be like arsenic is starting to be produced different toxicities in the environment. The way that we evolve is we're exposed to a new toxicity. My body, if I'm exposed to a lot of the toxicity, 
all of a sudden it's building up in the body, my body mounts up this process of like, hey, what are we gonna do about it? Well, a cell figures it out. A cell says, hey, this level of toxicity requires this information of what we need to do to clean our body out, send it out to the rest of the body. This is the virus. The body makes the RNA packet, sends it out and gives the rest of the cells the information to upload and say, hey, this is what we gotta do to get rid of this toxicity. And the body goes into a fever, into a flu, throws off plaque, throws off all this other stuff, we get sick. But we think as soon as those things are happening, that's bad and we should of stop that. So this is my body upgrading, yes. saying this is a new toxicity that's introduced into my environment. Let's upgrade so that we can thrive through this experience. So when I get sick, I throw the virus out so that everybody around me can get the new information of how to prevent the uptake of this plaque and everything that's going on. And if you have it in your body, guess what? Yeah. Your body's like, oh, I got this shit too. Glad I got the information. The virus spreads, it goes to every cell, it tells it what to do and you get fever, which is the body fluing, you know, your temperature goes up 86 times the viscosity in your blood for your immune system to travel. You sweat it out, you breathe it out, you piss it out, you shit it out. And every person that gets sick should do enemas, salt flushes, hydrate, sit in a hot bath, mimic a fever, everything they can to mm. flush all the plaque out and support the detoxification process. Yeah. yeah. Right? So this is what happens. New levels of toxicity, call it 5G, starting in Wuhan, China, first place it's launched and places all around the world, new level of toxicity affecting us as human beings. Are, we don't know, we're just walking along, but there's a new level of toxicity that's happening. And all of a sudden, one person has this level, and you know, if they got enough of it and the virus goes in, they could literally die if their immune system, their body's not ready to handle that level of detox. The packet goes out. Now the packet gets, it needs to go around the world so that everybody gets the upgrade of how to defend their own body against the new level of toxicity. This is nature. This is evolution of nature. It's been happening it makes for thousands so of years. It makes so much perfect sense to me. But it's Give so it. backwards to what we- what Corona? Give it to me. I want it. <laughs> yeah. I want a Corona, right? <laughs> Give me a Corona so I have the upgrade to exactly. the new thing. And if as long as I'm clean, as long as I'm healthy, mentally, emotionally, physically, my immune system, yeah. So how do we repair this relationship that people have with viruses, bugs, and... Education. So it's gnosis. First you need to know, and then you need to practice what you know so that you can heal. Because when you come to the truth, and everybody has to discover it for themselves, but when you hear truth and you're like, oh, this is true, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Okay, well, the next step is come to one of my programs and learn how to detoxify your colon, your liver, your kidneys, clean the plaque mm. out of your body, reset your immune system. I, th I think the gateway for so much learning is just getting the self-awareness. Like to me, it was fasting was the access. And I think fasting is probably the easiest access for a lot of people. Totally. Because you can... You but they need to be educated to do it correctly. Right. Because people are going to like, oh, I just need to fast to heal myself. Okay. They start fasting tomorrow, they're not drinking water, they're not opening the channels of elimination, all this shit's backing up and they're getting sick and it's really hard and they're auto-intoxicating. If you just go fast with a big chunk of beef stuck in your digestive system, it's called auto-intoxication. So it can cause problems. Ultimately, your body will work it out, but to become educated of all the simple things that you can do to prepare for the fast, to make the process easy and uh, potentially enjoyable. So there's a lot, there's what I call the Tolman method of fasting, which my father taught me, and I took it to a whole nother level of research. There's a Tolman method of fasting that if you actually just come through and you do it and you're supported with 
20, 30 other people doing it together, it actually becomes enjoyable, becomes like an uplifting spiritual experience yeah. rather than just shitting and pissing and dying at home. Well, that's, how, that's how I was the first time I did a juice fast. I did <laughs> exactly. six days just drinking juice on my own because I didn't want anybody to see, see me. And- yeah, and that's what I'm saying, and that's okay. It's, yeah. it's the learning process. It was a shit experience. And what, that's what I'm saying is if you had come along to like a fasting program, I'm like, here, yeah. do this, this, and this to prepare and then come into it this way. And I've got all these things available that you do. Yeah. Then you don't get the blisters. You don't get the all the, the shit that can come up if you just don't yeah. do it right. But I mean, that's why I'm so curious about nature and everything around me now. Like I just, mm-hmm. I see the world in a, such a different different way and a different light and how... You know, um, uh, the only way forward for humanity is to connect back to nature. Like it's, yep. it's just is the way the way it is. So where do you think we are at in terms of? Obviously, there's a lot of shifts happening in 2020. Like you said, truths are coming out. Yeah. But where do you think we're at? Like, are we moving? Is humanity moving the needle? Like, what's your feeling? Yeah. And what is your educated? Uh, logic? I'm just gonna go straight to the truth. There's 144,000 masters of light that are here to share the truth and bring humanity to the next level of evolution. Mm. And we have to get to the darkest of dark uh, in order for people to really want the light. And that's what's happening. You're one of them. I'm one of them. This is what we're doing. We're spreading consciousness. And what it is about, like with what you're saying, it's reconnecting to nature. Mm. The ancient Egyptians taught the Neter. And they had it. They had it figured out. We went from wherever we were in Atlantis to Egypt, to Egypt, and then to where we are. Mm. And we've been coming up for a very long time, and we're at the cusp of a massive awakening. And in that cusp of a massive awakening, like I said, 2020, we're going to see that there, you know, it's going to become black and white. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. You know, political figures, oh, they mean well. You know, oh, yeah, people are generally good. Nobody would really try to, like, poison me and my children. And, you know, we trust everybody. Like, we're good people. Good people trust that other people are good people. Yeah. We, you know, because we're good people. But not everybody's good. Yeah. Right? So we're coming to this point where there might have to be a massive exodus of certain level of consciousness of individuals that will need to go somewhere else. And that may happen through multiple means. And the individuals who are conscious and tapped in and doing what they're doing will uh, go to a different location um, and do something a little bit different for the mm. next the next process. So, you know, what that looks like as far as like physical, energetic, um, I don't think anybody really knows, but there's going to be a huge shift. And I think anybody watching this where it resonates, then, you know, the message is here step lean in Mm. like it's time to actually take action choose (laughs) your side and and be committed to yourself like clean your digestive system like the egyptians said there's a three-step process three steps number one we have to wake up this is the wake-up call number two and you can wake up by three ways first way to wake up is to get into the presence of a master and fully be willing to take on what the master teaches then you'll wake up Step number two is a process they call the ancient Egyptian physical culture. It's a very specific physical process you go through every day that'll wake you up. I'd say a lot of sports athletes and people that are really dedicated to physical, they do wake up. They just don't know about the next step. Mm. 
And number three, if you don't do it through a master or physical uh, awakening, you will be waked up, waken up by trauma and disaster. And we all know it. You know, 9-11, yep. everybody wakes up, right? 2020, virus, people are like, oh shit, waking up. And I still think there's a level to go to really shake shit up. Uh, I, I, I think it would like, I think it's going to get really funky even more. Still level to go to really wake shit up. Yep. But when you wake up, then you need to take the next step. The next step is purification. Mm. Purification is cleaning the digestive system, becoming conscious of our bodies, cleaning your liver, regenerating ourselves and becoming clean, getting out the darkness, getting out the stuff. And then the step three is an activation process. So there's an actual activation process that takes place. I've been taught all these things and I just haven't done it. I've got the knowledge. Now's time for the practice. Mm. So when I say now's the time for the practice, I am practicing and I'm practicing with a quite large group of individuals every single day and bringing in these principles of purification. And January, mid-January, we're starting this three-month process of like this full purification that goes back thousands of years. And then there will become the activation process. Mm. And I believe with that activation process, more of these individuals that are doing it will start to put out more of a vibe and it will spread like wildfire. Yeah. No, I, I actually, <clears throat> I can feel that. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, what's <laughs> probably your, like two hours here. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I think we're at time. about an hour. Okay, great. What's, um, what's your relationship with, um, with past lives? Uh, I know who I was. Mm. Um, took me some breath work and fasting to get there, but I know quite a few of mine. Um, and I, so I'm a big believer that all of us most likely have past lives on this planet. Um, I don't know that for sure. There could be new people coming in to do things, new souls coming in to do things. Um, but yeah, I'm very aware of it. And I've been doing the same thing for thousands of years. I can show you images mm. of who I was in Egypt. And you look at the images of this guy and he looks just like me and you yeah. read about what he was doing and it's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, yeah. I'll be back again and again and again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, um, it's so easy for our logical mind to try to take over and try to make sense of it. And that's all nonsense. And, but I've just, I mean, when I was young, I, I saw spirits and stuff. So I, I was always exposed to understanding that there's more, more beyond you know what our senses perceive yeah um and i've had a lot of experiences in my life i've had like flashbacks of different things and yeah. there's been a theme to my past lives especially yeah. like with like i've been like stabbed and hung multiple mm. times and then the physical aspects of me dealing with that mm. in this lifetime has has carried through um one of the best accesses for me to deal with uh, a lot of that stuff has been plant medicine and traditional ceremonies and yeah. Um, this kind of thing. Is that something that you've ever done? Um, I've, it, what's gone, your... I've gone more of the, so there's the plant medicine side of things, which is definitely a tradition that can detox and cleanse and open us up to certain levels. Yep. I've taken more of the fasting and breath work yep. side of things. So through the purification and like you can activate DMT in your brain, you know, you and I could both do it. I could yep. put you on the floor for an hour and you'd probably have some past life memories. Yep. So being guided by a true and real physician, priest, shaman, whatever you want to call it, yep. somebody who really has the energy to hold the space and guide you through an experience, 
Um, and that, that's where it's at, whether it's with plant medicine or whether it's with breathing. Yeah. And this, is, this has been my experience. And this is where I think a lot of people maybe get it a little bit wrong. They remove themselves from the sacredness of the ceremony and the power of the shaman and, and, and yeah. that part of it. Like doing ayahuasca in the condominium in New York is, you know, like that's a party <laughs> thing. That's not, you know. Or mushrooms or LSD, exactly. like all of it should be honored in a way where we yeah. set an intention. We have somebody there who's a guide who's been through those realms and can guide you through the experience. Have some real attention, you know, attention and intention so that you're really going somewhere intentionally and getting something quality out of it. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, I think that we can be more open to the masses from a place of like coming in, detoxing and, you know, every plant based true shaman with plant-based medicine, they're going to like take you through a major, you know, cleansing and purification experience if they're doing it correctly before you go into that. So yeah. you truly tap into the right frequency because with all the negative stuff, you could tap into some other frequencies that, you know, you'll literally mm. have a living hell situation for an extended period of time. Yeah. So, you know, I like the idea of bringing people through this fold of like waking up and purifying ourselves, cleaning everything out. And then going through some more gentle experiences of awakening and opening, you know, and some people that really want to go intense, you can go intense, even the natural way. And, you know, if people resonate with the plant medicines, they can do that as well. Um, but yeah, I re definitely recommend purification. Mm, yeah. Opening up. <sighs> Interesting. So uh, self-discovery. I, I have seen you post uh, on Facebook uh, quite openly about vaccines. Mm. Um, it would be miss of me to not <laughs> discuss vaccines and the reason why I'm surprised I'm, you even say that on this podcast well we can bleep it out we okay. can bleep it out got it so the reason why I'm fascinated by it is because I've never been vaccinated not yeah. once in my life yeah me neither and I'm one of the healthiest people that I know I'm not saying that's a direct cause yeah um, however I know people in my family who are very very sick had autoimmune disorders their whole yeah. life and they have been vaccinated a lot. Now, yeah. am I claiming that those things are 100% related? No. But one of the things I, I, I was super interested in learning from you, you did a quite a detailed video about the excipient ingredients of vaccines. Now, yeah. I'm not here to tell anybody that vaccines are good or bad. Yeah. What I believe in is pro-choice, yeah. right? If people can do the research and yep. figure out for themselves, this is what's in it. Now yep. I make a conscious choice to say, yes, that's for me, or no, that's not for me. Yep. I don't believe in the for forcing, and yep. I don't believe in hiding things which are going in there. Totally. Right? And that's that's the issue. You know, I think if political figures and doctors and scientists would just be fully open about the truth, then people could still choose. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people still would choose to get the inoculation and you know, have that immune response and be able to have potentially a better immune response against, you know, something that's potentially, mm. you know, a packet of information and upgrade or whatever. So, you know, I did the detailed video and I'm, I'm very balanced in it. It's like, hey guys, let's look at, okay, if you have this uh, weakened form or this virus injected, can there be an immune response that gives us some level of immunity? Yes. And there's a lot of people that deny that and just like, oh, it's all poison. They're here to reduce the population. It's all bad, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, dude, you're out of balance. And when you're out of balance, you might just be taken out. So be very careful with that. 
be, be very careful what you say and yep. try to be in a more balanced state, especially with very powerful existing companies and things on the planet. So what I'd say is, yeah, you know, you can receive an immune response that can be supposedly protective against things in the future. Um, but what are the facts? And, you know, there is a lot of science showing the correlation between Crohn's disease, digestive conditions, autoimmune conditions, and other things with having that done when you look at studies of the VAC versus non-VAC people. Okay, so you can see that, oh yeah, there's a much higher correlation later on in life, autoimmune disease, digestive conditions, allergies, ear infections, tonsils getting taken out, appendix, you know, appendicitis, all these sorts of things that it's kind of like once you start here, you kind of go down this rabbit hole of the next mm -hmm. process, the next process, then drugs. Uh, there's potential that they're creating customers for the entire lifetime of the individual. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to go there really, yeah. but um, the truth is the facts are that there are excipients, as you call them. Um, heavy metals like mercury. So they're the extra ingredients that they put in, which is not the, the they, active agent. They need things to uh, bring on an immune response. Right. So if you put a poison in my muscle in this area of my body that's really highly toxic, the whole immune system freaks out like, oh my God, you know, you've just fallen and cut yourself on something mm -hmm. rusty with a lot of metal and weird toxins, like a whole list of things that we don't even know how you got this in your body and your whole immune system attacks it. Right. So if you can get your whole immune system to come over here, then those particles, particles of virus or active virus, or depending on what they're doing, will be red and our body will mount up an attack and antibodies uh, that will defend it off. Then if we ever get that thing again, it's already ready, it's already prepared, it's already there, right? So that's the benefit. The drawback is, that aluminum um, is never meant to come in through this way. So if you ever ate aluminum, the body can excrete a lot of it, but some of it would probably be taken on. But when you inject it, it goes directly to the central nervous system and especially the brain. And there's been advanced science on this, you know, where they inject, you know, rats and mice and different animals, which are considered the gold standard, and watch what happens to them neurologically over time and distance. And it settles in the brain and it starts to destroy neurons. There's behavioral behavioral changes directly from these things. So it can create behavioral issues in children. Uh, it accumulates in the central nervous system in the brain. And over time, it could lead to MND or Parkinson's or things later on in life. But these things also settle uh, within the digestive system as well, which leads to digestive inflammation later on in life. A lot of kids end up having earaches and allergies and um, digestive conditions, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to look at. So what I did on the video, I said, okay, let's look at MMR. Uh, let's pull up the studies from one of the universities that's just listed on the CDC or other website. So I'm just looking at the facts. And let's look at the MMR. Okay, they took 3,000 people. And you got to understand they're vetting for really healthy people because they don't want people with pre-existing conditions and cause them harm, right? <laughs> so let's find the healthiest people that we can test, 3,000 of them. And let's all inject them to the full schedule of this one thing, MMR, and see what the reactions are. And so they have minor reactions. Oh, I had some redness, some soreness. Oh, I had this little thing, a little thing but That's just up. for the one for the one for thing. One. Not They've for one. They've never tested all of them. To... They only test one at a time. So you'll have your minor adverse reactions. Then you'll have kind of medium adverse reactions. Oh, it caused the flu. It caused some sickness, this and that. And then there's major. Mm. So in the major ones, yeah, the truth is for the major ones, it might only be 1%. For some of them, there aren't any major reactions. 
Okay, so it's like, oh, completely safe, no major reaction, straight away. Okay, and sometimes they're a 30-day model where they test. Other times they'll do six months or even up to a year of tracking, and they'll try to weed out anything else and make sure it's directly related to the actual thing. So they are doing a lot of science. There is a lot of safety studies. They are doing their best to make them as safe as possible with the poisons that they're that are included in there. Uh, but there are single ones of these things that do have, you know, I mean, one of them that I was pointing out from the the medium reactions to major reactions was like 35% of people. 35% of 3,000 people had somewhat a uh, medium to major reaction, which is one of them. So I was just pointing this out and saying, here's the science, here's where you can go, here's where you can look at them all individually, but then you have to consider the schedule. So I went through the whole child schedule, I went through the adult schedule, I went to the World Health Organization's website and looked at their agenda called IA2030, which is every man, woman, and child of every age, everywhere on planet Earth, being upgraded to the full schedule. Mm. So this means whether you're a baby or you're 40. So this is not a theory, this is, this this is, fact. is their agenda. They're saying it straight up. Right. So World Health Organization, 2030, every human being on planet Earth, and then they have the what they need to do to get there, mm. and part of it is outbreaks. Yep. They need to have outbreaks in order to, you know, part of their plan by 2030 to have everybody done. Mm. And it's clear, like, that's the thing about what's going on is they're, at least they're always clear about what they're doing somewhere. They have to post it somewhere and it's public access. It's not their job to go tell everybody. It's our job to do the research and look yeah. into it and then find these things out. So just so you're aware, no matter what age you are, you need to be up to the full schedule by 2030, according to WHO, Bill Gates, Melinda, all these beautiful people that are trying to help us and save us from disease. Uh, we'll need to be up to schedule, so I'll probably need about 50 of them. Um, and same with you. Yep. And anybody who's, anybody my age who had them at birth will also need all the boosters because they only last, truthfully, for about 14, maybe 20 years, some of them. So if you're 40 plus, you have to get the entire schedule done again. And then of course, they'll wanna launch a new campaign for all the new things that are coming out. So it'll get ridiculous. It'll be like 60, 70, and then they'll just be like, well, let's just put 20 or 30 of these things into one so it's a better perception. You know, one big <laughs> needle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, uh, <laughs> speed, buddy. And let's get your digital passport. So, now you can fly on a plane, which is even more. Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll meet you. I'll meet you there at the clinic. I'll meet you there. <laughs> and look, I mean, the, the point of this conversation is not. Again, I'm not. Excuse me, pro or anti. Yes, it's like what I am pro is people understanding for themselves research, research and then making an informed decision yep. what they feel is right for them. Most people who are anti were once pro and then saw it in their own children. Mm. And now they're anti because they, were, they weren't given the real information. Yeah. It mm. was suppressed. Um, so just be real with the potential side effects and the potential benefits. Let, let people choose. And let's move forward based on that. And pharmaceutical companies can still make billions, trillions, and trillions, and who knows how many trillions truly they're making um, without any indemnity whatsoever when it comes to that. That's really their bread and butter. Because, it, you know, in certain places it's completely forced. Everyone in the population has to have it. They make money. They can't be sued. So you, you can understand why the poison makers have gotten to where they are because they're so wealthy, pushed out the others. And this is actually why we are where we're at on the planet right now. Because we've allowed this thing to get yeah. completely out of control. 
and you know even trying to control herbs and foods and supplements and yep. all these types of things and it's just like it's, it's gone too far it's gone too far what's yeah. some of your um the pendulum has swung far yeah and it's going to swing further and when the pendulum goes the other way look out yeah that's all i'm saying look I'm out. forward to it <laughs> yeah me too what's what's some of your um your personal habits and philosophies that you have embraced for your life every day like are you waking up super early and meditating and what are the what are the the non-negotiables for you yeah at this point you know i do have my non-negotiables but at this point it's just become enjoyable so you know i don't know why but four o'clock this morning i'm up um i'm hydrating i'm moving my body i'm having my beautiful one organic black coffee in the morning uh while researching you know, researching stuff and getting passionate. And then at 5.30, I have a whole group of people come on and I walk them through an ancient martial arts technique of waking up the body, waking up the endocrine system and getting into um, some pretty intense processes that wake us up. And it, it happens every day and these people are showing up and I can feel it and they can feel it and it's going somewhere. Um, so yeah, I'm committed to that every morning until about 7 or 6.30, 7 o'clock, I usually go for 4 or 5K run, come back, do some hot, cold therapy. Got in the, I got in the bathtub this morning, got in the ice bath this morning, did some breath work, jumped on a motorbike and, and popped over here, uh, where typically I would you know walk, run, ice bath, hot, cold therapy, and then get into work. Around typically 8 o'clock, I start with my coaching, one-on-one -on -one clients, business calls, um, I've just completely taken my business, full control of my business back. So I own my own business for the first time in my life at 40 years of age. It feels really good, feels really in alignment, um, and it shows. Um, so business has just gone bang a lot better than what I could have ever dreamed. And now I can see, oh, okay, now it's time. Mm. Nice. Yeah. That's beautiful. I've got uh, one last question for you before we wrap it up. But um, <clears throat> before we do that, I'll just acknowledge you for – the work that you're doing and bringing light to uh, and bringing empowerment to people. I mean, the biggest takeaway out of this for, for me um, is just the idea of empowering people with their own ability to look after themselves, heal yeah. their sovereignty, like really mm -hmm. taking power and control of their own circumstances um, and especially their health. And that health is a gateway to so many other so many other things. Totally. So. And I would say to anybody out there, like, you are more powerful than you could possibly know. Mm. You've been around for a lot longer than you possibly know. And it's time to start remembering. Yeah. Putting the pieces back together and standing up and becoming who we truly are. Well, you probably just answered my last question, which was <laughs> if you had one last final message for, you know, for all of humanity, yeah. you know, what would that, that would, what would that be? Make a choice. Yeah. Which is it? And step into it. And when you fully commit to yourself, like real commitment, everything, then providence moves to all manner of unforeseen incidents, material assistance, and people will come your way to manifest your dreams. So whatever you believe or think you can do or have dreamt about since the time of childhood, lean into it. And now's the time to start this manifestation. There's no greater work on this planet than being about your passion and taking care of yourself. Mm. <clears throat> really cool man thank you yeah How, um what's the best way to people for people to find you um instagram facebook what's your preferred way tylertolman.com yep get on my email list yep i'll tell you what i'm doing uh every week i'm doing some pretty cool stuff yeah and the, i mean you've you, you're also putting out a lot of different content for all aspects of health and fasting and free things and 
um, it's very well rounded and everything that you're sharing. So I highly recommend people get on the list and the Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday nights, yep. Wednesday nights. So I do, if you get on Tyler Tolman free community, there's a lot of cool stuff happening there. That's a Facebook group. Um, I do lives into there about what I'm doing when I'm doing it. Uh, so you could join me on Facebook personally. You can join me on Instagram, uh, the free community or just an email and you'll find out about what I'm doing. And there's some pretty rocking people showing up consistently. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is if you really want to heal, it's about consistency, consistency, consistency. You can't just hear it once and think you're going to go and do it. Like you have to keep, you know, I had to step into the footsteps of the masters and like keep coming back and keep coming back. And every time I did, I would do a little bit more and then a little bit more and then eventually actually do it. You know what I mean? So just keep showing up, keep showing up, be in the energy, be open. Also, you know, trust, but verify, do your own research. You know, I've, I've been a big skeptic most of my life. So healthy skepticism is good. Uh, but when you hear truth and you know it in your heart, it's, it's important to take action. Yeah. No, thanks very much. Um, guys, go check out the links to Tyler. Do check him out. Tyler Tolman, thank you so much for yeah. coming in. Cheers, Real pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time back down the rabbit hole.